Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Coco Show, hosted by myself, Colette Craven, and usually my co-host, David Schwartz. This is a show where the banter at the top of the episode never ends, and neurodivergent or not, we are here to make you feel less alone about your human experience. We have no expectations, and neither should you. chatting with my friend Alexis about her escape from a very tumultuous domestic violence situation and of course her mental health. Today's going to be a really heavy episode so make sure you're in the right headspace before you tune in today. Lex and I met in school many many moons ago and bonded over being birthday twins. She's quirky, neurodivergent, and her humor is very similar. I'm not sure if she remembers this but I even tutored her in English briefly back in our college days. We were all, we've always stayed in touch on social, and I love that she responds to my stories as if I wrote them just for her. She's been through hell and back, and today she is spilling the tea about her fucking garbage ex. But without further ado, welcome to the show, babe. Will you kick us off with your you fucking hot and hyperfixation of the week? Yeah, my you mm, fucking hot is that I am moving back to Sammamish, closer to my family. I'm um, getting out of my apartment from that I had with my traumatizing ex, and my hyperfixation is um, me and my daughter pretty much only spend all day watching Family Feud with Steve Harvey. <laughs> Is he like, is she like obsessed with him or something? Um, so she thinks he's, um, her boyfriend, literally. When he, we went to the nail salon the other day and she was crying and I put on Steve Harvey and she automatically stopped and she watched him for the whole rest of the time. Like, <laughs> she has a thing for old men. We need to like have a discussion about this eventually. Um, but it's fine for now, you know? Sure. Is that, is that the only, is that the only old man she's obsessed with? No. So she actually is also obsessed with Shannon Sharp. Um, he's a sports <laughs> commentator. So probably a lot of y'all in here may not know who he is, but if you want to look him up, um, you can see my daughter's type. She really likes old black men. Um, Great. she's recently also fell in love with DJ Khaled sure. and Drake. Drake is understandable cause I'm in love with him too. Um, but she developed a little crush on D Justin Bieber recently, so I think we're starting to get a little better on the age. You know, Drake sure. and Justin, sure. a little bit younger. But I really can't judge because when I was 10, my love of my life was 50 cents, so <laughs> <laughs> I have to be a little bit understanding. I get it. I understand. So my you fucking huh is last week I hit my new high in service sales. I broke 5,000 in just, well, actually a little over 5,000 in four days, which is pretty fucking amazing. And it's so Thank you. And it certainly would not have been possible without the help of my little Sonia Rita. So shout out to her if she's listening. And my hyperfixation is my beloved trash show, Life After Lockup, is back on WeTV. Oh my God, it's it's so. Wait, it's literally my addiction yes okay that's my other addiction we me and bianca watched that in real housewives of beverly hills great with steve harvey yep it has been so good this season it's too. been deontay oh can we like deontay De okay so a little backstory <laughs> so deontay was dating a different inmate and now he's back on the show because he hooked up with what the fuck is her name uh, Brittany? No no, 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 no. We love Brittany. Yes. With Marcelino? Yeah. Love Brittany. He's F fucking her over. Marcelino's trash. I, I'm so mad. 
So mad. Anyway, it's the best fucking show, and I've been binging it. I watch it on Xfinity. It's broadcasted on WeTV. If you think you're into that type of shit, watch it if you want to, because, bitch, you will not be disappointed. And there are many seasons, and there's love after lockup. There's life after lockup. And love during lockup. Yeah, and now there's now. love during lockup. It's just... I'm sorry. And Love During Lockup has a girl that has a whole room dedicated to all the inmates she is dating. Yeah, she has like a calendar when she talks <laughs> to them. Her whole tip is just like tattooed with like, I think like random dude's name. Yes. I, she's <laughs> wild and out. Please, if you have nothing better to do, please just go invest several days to watch this garbage. You will not be disappointed. Anyways, we are going to take a quick little dancey dance break before we get into questions. And don't forget, in order to move energy, you actually have to move your body. See you in a sec. And we're back. All right. Lex, can you give us a little background information on how you met your ex and how your relationship kind of like transpired? Yeah, so actually at the time I was meeting in a, um, dating a different ex who is like really, really verbally abusive, not super physically abusive. And um, I was sober at the time and stuff. And then um, his, one of my, one of our good friends we grew up with, Sam, um, actually, Sam Markham. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I can say people's last name. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. Okay. Anyways. You're not so, dragging him. Okay. So he um, kept trying to, like, hang out, even though he was, like, my ex's best friend. and But I, like, grew up with him. So anyways. But um, he brought my ex, Ryan, over to my house one night. And I was already, like, really over dating my other ex. And so I literally just, like didn't even really break up with him and I just started dating Ryan and he sent me <laughs> he sent me 250 text messages 22 of them calling me a fat cunt and left me five voicemails that were over three minutes long um but like Ryan we, or the other guy oh no the other guy okay what what are we calling him um we'll call him um Muffin. Muffin. Yeah. Fuck muffin. you, Muffin. And so, um, but I had been, like, really over him for a while, like, wanting to move on. I just didn't know how to break up with him. And because, like, he had told me so much that I was, like, so not worthy. And he, like, even though I had lost, like, a ton of weight, he would call me, like, fat all the time and tell me that, like, I would never amount to anything. And so, like, I had such a hard time leaving because, like, I started to let his words actually get to me and think that I wasn't worthy of anyone else, even though he, like, wasn't even cute. Colette met him when she was doing my hair, and she was like, what the fuck are you doing with this guy? He's not even cute. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I believe you. Oh, no, 100%. You texted me after, and you were like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing with him? He's not even cute. <laughs> It's very so, on brand. Yeah, so on brand. And so we broke up and I started dating Ryan. And then a couple years after I started dating Ryan, I was r raped. And then I mm. broke my sobriety. And then two weeks later, I was at a party where a guy was like on drugs and like threw me into a wall. The police came. It was really crazy. And so I continued to drink. And then in... 2021 in February I went back to treatment um because like I took like a really 
I was never an everyday drinker, but I was a binge drinker. Um, and so luckily since February 3rd, 2021, I've been sober. Mazel. Um, for, like from alcohol, I'm Cali sober. So I smoke weed, just being honest. Um, Love that. But that's the only way you can get through dealing with a nine month old 24 seven and having full custody of her, I promise you. You have to do one of the two. You either <laughs> have to drink or smoke weed. So choose your poison. Um, but yeah, that is like how things started. And um, yeah, other okay. questions do you have about him? Um, so the situation? Wh- what was your first red flag? Um, I think my first red flag is before I went to treatment in, um, February 20, was it February 2020 or February 21? It was February 2020, not February 21. Okay. Okay. So my first red flag, um, was there was a couple times when we had gotten into drunken altercations because we both were drinking a lot at the time and he never got super violent, but he did get really aggressive and would like push me or slap my face. And he would say like really, really messed up things to me, like really, really mean things. And so, um, that was like my first red flag. And then I went to treatment and then I was there for four months and then I did their sober living for another three and a half. And so when I moved back to Washington, he had really seemed like he had gotten his shit together and like he wasn't drinking that much. He had a really good job. And I was like, okay, finally he's gotten his shit together. And then he lost his brother in May of 2021. And since then, um, his like alcoholism got really bad and he was like, a, he pushed me around a couple times while I was pregnant. Nothing super violent, like just pushed me on the bed. Um, and yeah, a lot of- t- call that violent. <laughs> yeah, I like, I know I sound crazy, but I really wanted to make it work for our family. And I grew up in a house where there was definitely a little bit of like some of that type of stuff going on when my dad was intoxicated. I love my dad to death. He's like the most amazing person ever. Um, But there was definitely some unfortunate situations. So I guess like I never really learned how to have like the most healthy relationship. And so I put up with like a lot. And so when... um, two times ago, like after this last time, he put me in a chokehold. And um, when he realized what he was doing, he like pushed you away and he like apologized and said it wouldn't happen again. And then this last recent time was like really, really um, a bad situation to the point where we have like a five year no contact order and a temporary um, contact order in place. So did you guys like break up and get back together a lot or? No, we actually never broke up. We stayed together all the three years. Oh, yeah. I, uh, once we got pregnant, I very much like believe in trying to keep a family together. And since I've been to treatment and a lot of mental health therapy myself, I thought that if he would get alcohol treatment or he'd go to mental health therapy for his grief, like the loss of his brother, he could go back to the person that like I fell in love with. Um, but, um, he just would continue not to do that. And he would continue to say, I'm going to take a month off of drinking and he just wouldn't. And then for the past 18 months, he also like could not hold down a job longer than a week or two. So he kept putting us in really, really terrible financial situations, even though we have a child. So it was just like way too toxic. And it got to the point where like enough was enough, you know? What, What would he, what would he say when he like came home? after getting fired, presumably, or would he just, like, not fucking go to work? Oh, yeah, no, he would just stop going to work because he was too hungover. Oh! 
yeah, like he would work for a job for a week and then just not go one day. Or he would be supposed to start a job on like a Monday and he like would be too tired from our daughter being up all night and he'd be like, okay, I'm just gonna call them and start tomorrow. And I'm like, you know that like, they're not gonna have you start tomorrow That's now, right? That's not how it no, works. No, no. Perfect, great, I love that for you. Right. Um, would you consider him a narcissist? Um, well, given the fact that he's posted videos comparing me to Amber Heard. Oh my God. And videos saying eight, um, eight ways you know you're dating a narcissist after the strangulation marks on my neck and the bruises all over my body that, um, that like to call me a narcissist would be pretty hard. Like, are you saying that I sat on our floor for two hours and hit myself with a hammer and then like somehow strangled myself multiple times where I had bruises and I just gave myself my seventh concussion and now I have to see a neurologist. Like the amount of gaslighting that's there is just so crazy to me. Like if I was in his shoes, I would be doing whatever to fix myself so I could see my child to like raise my baby mom up and make her seem like the best person ever because I am like a fucking amazing mom and I will give myself that all day, every day. Good. And instead of trying to fix it for our family, he chooses to continue to be petty online and um, right after he got out of jail, he had, yeah, like 90 days where he, not 90 days, he had three days, um, where he could come and see Bianca and get his things with the police escort. And he chose not to, and he never knew when he was going to see Bianca again. So it's like, it just really showed me how much, um, he uh, doesn't care about me and Bianca. And then the fact that he got us evicted almost five times and his family could never help. And my family was always the one bailing us out. And then the second he needs a bail to get out for like almost killing me and his family keeps continuously coming up with the money within a couple of hours also is like very concerning, you know? Yeah, that's pretty sus. So yeah, I'd say he's a fucking narcissist, y'all. <laughs> um, did... So before he became violent, was he someone you legitimately enjoyed spending time with? Oh, yeah. And when he was sober, he was like, he was not a violent person. Like, he, like, he may get angry at other things easily, but, like, never me. Like, when he was sober, he was sincerely, like, actually, like, made me laugh harder than I've ever laughed before. Like, when I posted all the things I posted about him on Instagram and social media, I did mean those things in the moment because he was sober at the time. And... The only problem I would say was just the fact he couldn't keep a job when he was sober. Like when he was sober, he was a good dad. He was there for me and Bianca and you know, he cooked dinner all the time, helped clean. Like he was really awesome. But like the second he'd start drinking, it was like a really bad situation. Mm. Um, when was the first, like when, how quickly after, like, you guys were having fun, he was sober, was it when his brother passed that he, like, a switch flipped? So, um, we were both, like, pretty much sober. He would only drink on weekends when I moved back to Washington in Seattle of 2020. Um, and then we moved in together December 2020, and then we found out I was pregnant in March 21. Yeah, yes. that would track, okay. Yeah, 
March 2021, and then his brother passed away end of May 2021. So that's when things, like, went really south. And I have, like, a whole... We were in an Uber, like, when his brother passed away, heading back to his sister's. And, like, he was literally threatening to, like, kill me when we got home from the Uber. And I still, to this day, have the notepad. And I sent it to my, like, lawyer um, when this all started happening so she could see, like, the extent of, like, his verbal threats when he gets, like, intoxicated. I even still had, like, the complaint that I sent Uber because the Uber driver just let me leave with him. He didn't say anything. He didn't call 911. The whole 45 minutes, he was, like, giving me very, very violent threats. And I got out and, like, think if he would have been someone at the time who wanted to kill me, like, and then the Uber just let me, let us just leave and go into the house. And he had no idea that other people were home. So that so you're you were three months pregnant at the time. Yeah, perfect. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um. So okay. So you were like a year into your relationship when you got pregnant. Um. We were almost. So we started dating in May of 2020, and I got pregnant in March, no, we started dating May of 2019, and I got pregnant in March of 2021, so we had almost been together two years. Okay. Because we were, we had just celebrated three years, like, four months ago, so. Okay. And were you trying to get pregnant? Was it planned? Was so it oopsie poopsie? I, I mean, I was told I could never have kids naturally, and so he kept, like, asking me to get off birth control because he really wanted to have a baby. He was like about to be 31, he really wanted to have kids, blah, blah, blah. And so I got off birth control because I was told that I couldn't see a fertility specialist for a year unless I was off birth control. And there was like a few times, you know, we didn't use protection or like use like the pullout method. And I ended up getting pregnant like two or three months getting off birth control. So it wasn't like we weren't intentionally trying to get pregnant that soon, but when I happened, when it happened, I knew it was like God's sign because I've always wanted to be a mom. And if like since I'd been told for like ten years that I couldn't have children naturally to get pregnant naturally and not have to pay for all the IVF and shit, yeah, and deal with all the shots, it just seemed like it was meant to be. But now I look at it like he was a con artist just trying to like knock knock up like a wealthy white girl so he never had to work again a day in his life just like living off of my parents and like that's my parents completely thing too that's so fucking gross yeah <sighs> um but why did why did they think you couldn't have kids um because i was like di i was misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome at a young age oh so you don't have pcos no I mean, from what they're aware of now, like my levels don't show it. I did used to, I, I would get really bad cysts a lot, but I didn't have any of the other symptoms. So they assumed just because I got cysts, I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and like misdiagnosed me. And so once after I had Bianca and they did my blood and stuff, they were like, it, we don't think that you even have it. So I was like told for 10 years I couldn't have kids because I had PCOS when really I apparently don't. Well... <laughs> Great. So we have we have several lawsuits that we could file at this point. We're just getting started. Um, how, how old is your daughter now? She just turned nine months. Okay. And was he pulling this shit in front of her? Yeah. So the night that he like 
almost strangled me to death. Um, it was in front of her. And when he was like strangling me and I was like going in and out of consciousness, um, since I've had so many concussions, if someone puts you in like a chokehold, your likelihood of like passing out is happens like a ton sooner. I forgot the exact percentage that my like ho the hospital said after I went there, but he'd had me, I, I mean, I can't quote exact times, like the like exact amount of time that I was in the chokehold. Um, but basically um, my daughter screaming is like what, um, made him stop. And then like literally just a couple minutes later, the police were at our door. Cause thankfully one of the neighbors called my cops, uh, called the cops. I don't know if my ex hid my phone or sometimes my daughter hides my phone, but I had no access to a phone that night. So I had to like endure all the abuse until someone like called the cops. At one point I went to a different floor at like 2.30 a.m. and was banging on like a bunch of people's doors saying I need help. I forgot that a cop lives like just on the opposite side of my floor and I wish I would have remembered that but I didn't and pretty much like no one in the building. Well I knocked on like eight people's doors. No one answered and there was, there was this one guy in the hallway with his kid and I asked him if I could use the phone to call 911 and I had my daughter with me and he said he didn't feel comfortable giving me the phone to call 911 but I could call a family member and the one night that my parents like have their phone on silent is like the night that this happens Jesus. usually my mom always answers the phone like anytime <sighs> Jesus um did he try to isolate you from your friends and family um, I feel like a lot of times my parents would invite us over and then he would say we were going to go and then he wouldn't want to go anymore. And so like, and I usually don't like going to my parents' house, just like me and them. I mean, I, I do, but like when we're all invited and then all of a sudden, I, cause that came out wrong. I love going to my parents' house, but like, I mean, when we're all invited and all of a sudden now I have to make an excuse as to why he can't come or like why we're not gonna come because he can't come that was definitely hard in terms of my friends like I don't really felt like he isolated me with my friends but he didn't really like me going out with them he always wanted them like to come over like like we have like Paige has met him yeah. and my friend Jamie's come over a lot um and the one time I did go out with a friend and went to Seafair was the day I got home and this whole situation happened because he gets really paranoid when he drinks and gets like all these thoughts in his head and he was like accusing me of like hanging out with other guys and stuff when like we never hung out with another guy but just because my friend was single like I loved him so much and was so loyal and I'm a really loyal person and I would like never do anything to cheat on him or purposely hurt him and so the fact that like he always was accusing me of cheating just because of like when I cheated on him when we first started dating which like he cheated on me back so it was not just like me cheating on him constantly or anything like we had a really unhealthy relationship in our beginning and I thought we had worked so hard to be better and I got to the point where I was like if you can't trust me then why are you even with me like if you're just gonna constantly think I'm gonna go back to cheating or like cheat on you again why are you staying with me if you can't tr like what is a relationship without trust and he's like and when he was sober, he trusted me. But when he was drunk, he didn't. He, like, thought I was the most evil person. And he'd bring up literally every single bad thing I had ever done to him. And just, like, antagonize me and attack me all night. For, like, the past, when I've, like, completely changed and worked on myself and gotten sober, unlike him. So it was, like, a lot to go through 
on a regular basis, especially when his drinking became really regular. Okay, so the abuse was emotional and physical. Oh, yeah, it was so, like, especially emotional. I would say it was, like, ten times more emotional than it ever was physical because every single time he drank, even if we didn't get physical, he attacked me for, like, who I was as a person or something I had done in the past or something, like, he would literally, I'd say something, and I felt like he would purposely take it wrong just to start a fight. You know, and then he would continue to say, I'd shut the bedroom door and he would keep coming in and antagonize me. And I'd just be like, can you please leave me alone? Please leave me alone. And he just could never leave me alone. He like, it's like he enjoyed fighting. He enjoyed being angry. I'm like, why would you want to live a life of like being angry at people? Like, why don't you just want to like heal and move on, you know? So obviously this man has never been to therapy. No. Never. And I asked him to go with like a hundred times, whether it was individually or with me. He went one time with me and it was a Zoom and he sat on his phone the whole time and literally didn't give the doctor that time of day. Now, I'm not going to lie. This doctor was terrible. We started the session and he didn't ask any questions. I've been to like a million therapists, so I know sessions usually start. And for a man that's never been to therapy, how the guy handled the session was definitely like not very well um but at the same time like we were trying to fix ourselves so it's just like can you like not be on your phone for like 50 minutes of a time um and then he like blamed me for not being there for his like brother's death enough um and he and the therapist was like well you need to see a grief therapist you can't expect Alexis to be your only support especially when she's pregnant and super sick with this condition and in and out of the hospital and so it was just a lot because I was trying to take care of myself and my baby and my mental health because I was pregnant and I was so sick and all he cared about was what he was going through and I felt like that's how it was our whole relationship it was always about what he was going through my godfather and his aunt passed at the same time and he like literally like I was like my godfather meant a lot to me and he's like well he didn't help raise you and I was like yes my godfather did but because in his eyes I didn't live with my godfather at some point like he did his aunt it was not as like I didn't deserve to grieve I just needed to focus on his grieving oh god um so did did his aunt and his brother die at the same time um, his brother died in May 2021, and his aunt died this year, like, earlier this year. Okay. I, I think, like, around maybe february Okay, so they had nothing to do with each other. No. Okay. But then he used his aunt's death to continue his alcoholism, continue why he couldn't keep a job, continue why he was so depressed, and it's like, okay, but, like, it, you, you just need to, like, man up. You literally have a child, and, like... A baby mama and we live in like a very expensive apartment like what are you doing so um how obviously him trying to fucking kill you was the last straw i'm yeah. assuming oh of course um but how were you able to actually get away from him because i think that's the problem most people in these situations have is like they they're fucking trapped yeah, I mean, for me, it was getting away from, um, luckily, I have, I mean, if you don't have parents, like, that can help you, like, right away, get away from it, that's why you're trapped. Like, I, a lot of women are trapped because their men are the primary, like, breadwinners. Yeah. They're, 
They don't want to break up the family. That's the number one thing. People don't want to break up the family and they get it convinced in their head that these guys are going to change. Every time they say sorry, it's going to be different next time because they bring you flowers yeah. or they buy you a gift. It's going to be better, but it's never going to get better. Like I would say 95% of the time it's not better. I will give 5% of men that if they go to therapy and actually work on their drinking or whatever their issue is that they can change and be a better person. But also, like, I've wanted, I just wanted to break the generational curse because since I grew up around a lot of different, like, violence, I didn't want my child to go through the same situation because if she then goes through it and sees it, then she's going to settle for that too. And yeah. then her daughter is going to settle for that. And then what's the point? You know, I drove, I broke the generational curse on alcoholism in my family and I wanted to do it on physical abuse. I just, and I like, since he, I came so close to dying and I now have to see like all of these doctors. It's like, since I came so close to dying, it's like the next time I would actually be dead. And if the cops wouldn't have been called, I don't know if I would like even still be here today. And for me, I, love my life regardless of how shitty it gets or how much I go through. I want to be there for my daughter and raise her. And so for me, I think when you don't have a child involved, it's also easier to stay um, because you're, you're, you're not thinking, oh, my kid could see this or he's going to do this to my kid maybe one mm. day when he gets drunk and mad, especially with how irritable and how easily he got mad. It's like she could be four and ask him a question and he takes it the wrong way and he pisses her off and then he like slaps her, you know. It's mm. like I didn't want to put her in that situation, so I had to put my foot down. And then luckily I have like literally the most amazing parents who have been able to like take me under their wing, move me out to Sammamish, help me with financial things. But I think that's the number one reason people can't leave is like the financial aspect, you know? Yeah. God. It's just, it's so fucked up. All of it, all of it is so fucked up. So you do you think if your folks hadn't stepped in at this point, you would be dead? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, if I, well, so actually... No, because, I mean, so once the cops came, he was automatically given a temporary no-contact order, so he could not text me. He could only come to the house that one time to get his things and see his daughter. Um, I was not petty. I, two weeks later, packed up all of his stuff, even though I paid, my, well, me and my parents paid for his whole entire wardrobe, and we packed it all up, and my mom gave it to his family. So I want to make it very clear that so many girls would be so much pettier than I've been to this man, especially what he's posted to me. He literally had a girl text me saying, I want to kill you. I just fucked Brian. You're like a piece of shit. Oh, so pleasant. I know that he hasn't like been playing around with other girls. Um, he literally is like in a, living in an, a two bedroom apartment with like 10 other people. Um, but, um, he like literally had people text me. So, um, just really inappropriate things. So it's just gotten to the point where it's just like, you just have to like get away or you're going to like be so, you're never going to be able to heal. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you think that 
or know rather that he wouldn't have been able to physically harm you anymore after that night. Yeah. The second that that happened, my um, apartment complex, like took him off the call box, took him off the lease, whatever, even though I'm only living there for like another month, they took him off of like everything. So he couldn't have even gotten into the building if he tried. Did they make you pay for that? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. Okay. I mean, I don't know if they made my parents pay something, but like right before he got locked up, he left us like with a $4,000 debt that my parents had to pay. So it was like a lot because he hadn't helped pay rent in like months. And so I was like literally selling things on Poshmark that like I didn't even want to sell on my resale business just to bring in money to make up for the fact that he wasn't. And that's how much I was sacrificing. And he was like not sacrificing anything but waking up at like between 2 to 4 p.m. every day. So we could never even get out an adventure since he didn't work. And then he would go to the store and like say he was getting stuff for dinner, which he would. But then he'd always come home with alcohol too. So it was just like a constant cycle of just like unhealthiness. How could you handle being around alcohol as a sober person? It was like really hard. I mean, so our agreement when we first moved in together was that he would only drink on weekends, which I was okay with. I'm like, um, I am confident in my sobriety to like know that I can um, be around drinking to an extent. My parents drink around me. Um, I don't mind going to social events for a few hours where people are drinking. Um, I still, I've always want to be the person that still has fun like regardless of if I'm drinking or not and so um for me it like it was so slow that it happened and then it got so gradual and I he kept telling me once we have Bianca I'm not gonna drink for like two months blah 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 and so I was just waiting for us to have Bianca and then he would always say like I think when I have this too much sober I'm gonna like want to be sober forever and I'm I was like that would be amazing. So I just like kept listening to all of em his empty promises. Yeah. You know, I kept falling for them because I wanted to believe it because I really, truly wanted our family to work more than anything. And he was like the love of my life. Like, I think we said, I love you after like a month after dating. He moved in like two weeks after we started dating. Oh. Like I moved his butt into my house because I hated the apartment he lived in and how shitty the guys were that he lived with. And I mean, I guess that should have been like kind of a sign right there. If he like lives with shitty people, what kind of person is he? Because you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. T. That's true. So. So, um, backtracking a little bit. Yeah. Do you, um, you said you were always around alcohol alcoholism. Are your parents alcoholics? Um, I would say my mom has really, she in high school, um, had a good drinking problem, but she just is a young soul and like to party with me and my friends. Um, but my dad, um, definitely has, um, a drinking issue. Um, he has had it my entire life, but like, He's never been super mean to me or anything, um, but, like, it's been a lot for my mom to deal with. But, like, I mean, he's 79, Italian, French, and he is, like, the healthiest person I've ever met. So, like, drink your wine, John. Like, we love you. <laughs> All right. Well, like, I guess we could call him a functioning alcoholic. Oh, he for sure is. It's so crazy. He's done so much with his life um, while, like, drinking. So it's, like... And when you get to a certain age, it's kind of like you can't really – you you don't expect to change people's habits, you know? You just yeah. accept how to live with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I don't like that he's been violent with your mom, but that's not my not my life. Yeah. Um, okay, so how has all of this shit with Ryan affected your mental health? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, so I have a lot of PTSD from being sexually assaulted in the past and then physically assaulted once before. Um, so I think it's made my PTSD really bad. Um, my insomnia is like terrible. I wake up like every hour of the night. My cats, as everyone knows, cats are like very active at night. And every time my cat Milo has like pico when it comes to plastic. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And he will eat whatever plastic bag he can find anywhere. He will, I don't even know where he finds them because I always throw them away. But he will, like, any noise I hear, I automatically, like, freak out. Um, And I just, like, wake up all hours in the night with, like, anxiety just about what happened. And then, obviously, I'm sad, too. Because, you know, this was a person I thought I was going to spend my forever with. Like, this is the person I thought was my soulmate. I chose to have a kid with him. I never wanted to be the girl who, like has two baby daddies because like if I do want a second kid I would be having it with someone else you know and I know that that may sound ridiculous but I just never wanted that I wanted to have all my kids with the same person yeah and I wanted who I had kids with to be the person that I stayed with I didn't want to be in a situation where in nine months I'm a single mom to a a baby girl and I have full custody taking care of her 24 7 and like no help minus like my parents here and there so it's like I never wanted this situation like I always wanted my baby daddy in the picture and it's like really sad that it had to get to the point that it did like it took me even a while to block him on Instagram because I blocked him on everything else because I didn't want to see all the like harassment on Facebook but it even took me a while to block him on Instagram because I felt bad taking away his access to seeing all the things I posted Bianca you know yeah like I would only select that he could see like stuff I posted Bianca but then his niece started texting me at really messed up things. And then I got that text from that girl. And I was just like, um, I was just like, okay, yeah, like you clearly need to be like blocked completely. Cause like, I like can't take all of this online stuff, whether it's on Instagram, text message, Facebook, like the constant gaslighting, especially as a victim is just like so crazy. And it's funny because his family comments always on his page, like how much, how well he's raised Bianca and what a good dad he is. I'm like, I'm like, how are you a good dad when you haven't paid for anything for her in 18 months? My parents literally paid for her birth because you let it go to collections. Like, how is that being a good father? And how has he raised her? He sleeps until four every day and then drinks almost every night. Like you call that raising a kid? Gross. Yeah, it's been like the constant gaslighting from his family and he's African and has a very large family. It has been um, really, really crazy, especially since all of his family are females. You would think to an extent they would understand where I'm coming from. They may just be putting up this front on Facebook for like anyone who follows him that knows about what he did to me or his court situation or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it's like the grossest thing ever. (sighs) so upsetting all of it is so upsetting um circling back to something you said earlier you said you've had seven concussions Mm -hmm. were they from like sports yeah so when I was younger I played a lot of sports and I got some and then my ex my high school sweetheart um Quinn bless his soul got in like multiple car accidents with me in the car and would total his car so uh, I got 
I think three in sports when I was in middle school, elementary school, middle school, and high school. Okay. And then I got two or three being in car accidents with Quinn. And then I know I got one from falling. So, yeah, like... Were you drunk or something? Yeah. Oh, oops. Yeah. I, like, fell backwards and hit my head on my air conditioner. Jesus. And you know what's crazy? My, uh, my ex, like, my baby daddy was there at the time, and I was gushing blood out of the back of my head, and he didn't call 911. I woke up the next morning with blood everywhere, and I was like, what happened to me? And he's like, you fell into the air conditioner. And I was like, why am I not in the hospital? And he's like, I don't want to call 911. You were intoxicated. And I was like, excuse me, what? That doesn't make, that doesn't make any fucking sense. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Because, I'm sorry, you're not a minor. They're not going to give two fucks that you're drunk. <laughs> they're just going to be concerned that you fell. Yeah, they're just going to be like, oh, well, shit happened. Here's some IVs and let's right. look at your fucking open wound. Yeah. Christ on a cracker. <laughs> Fuck you, Ryan. Fuck you. Anyway, okay. So, before all this shit went down, yeah. before you met your ex... What, how was your mental health? How, like, have you always been in therapy? Did you take meds? When did that start? Yeah, so um, I had really bad insomnia from night terrors at a really young age. So my parents put me in therapy around, like, 7 or 8 just to, like, um, get help because I wasn't sleeping at night at all. Um, and then I got diagnosed with ADHD, um, and I did, like, the very – ex- <laughs> yeah I did the very extensive ADHD test where it's like a literally a five-hour test and they like started off by reading you a story this is like not a test they do anymore I don't think they just pretty much like hand it out to whoever says they have ADD now <laughs> but you literally they would tell you a story at the beginning of the test and then at the end retell you and you had to remember the details from the story and I was like what I like I failed this ADHD test for sure and so Then I, when I was 15, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And, um, and then as I got older, my psychiatrist, who I, like, saw for, like, 10 years, um, once I was sexually assaulted at 17, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And then my anxiety disorder turned into general anxiety disorder and panic disorder. And then I deal with depression on and off, like, when things are going bad in my life, I get super depressed. But if there's, like, a lot of good things going on in my life, I, like, won't get sad. Um, so my depression is super on and off. And then, obviously, I said insomnia. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything. Um, so did they put you on meds when you were, like, eight? No, I didn't get put on meds until I was, fit, like, 14. Well, I got put on ADHD meds when I was diagnosed when I was 13. And then I started getting put on sleeping meds and anxiety meds when I was 15. Okay. Yeah, they don't give out, like, sleeping meds when you're 8. They just try and, like, work it out with you cognitively. I would, I would hope not. Right? Like, giving an 8-year-old Ambien. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine? No, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, and for the, for the record, they do still test people for ADHD. They don't just give them money. Unless you're using that fucking app Cerebral or something. I was, I was, what was I watching? It was, like, John Oliver, I think. And they, uh, he was talking about, like, all the mental health apps yeah. And how basically what what did they well no what I was just saying is not everyone has to take the five hour test. Like oh. if you go to your doctor and you talk about your ADHD symptoms, some of them like your just your primary care physician will give you a prescription. Yeah, we've talked about this on a couple other um, episodes, but yeah, it's it's really insane to me 
and David had no fucking clue that you can just go to your GP and be like, this is my, these are my grievances. And they're like, oh, well, do to do. Here you go. Yeah. Here's a script. It's like, well, are we going to do anything more than like that little piece of paper where we circle how sad we are? I just, right. I feel. Oh my God, that paper. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like three questions about your mental health. Mm -hmm. It's like. Well, you have a lot of threes, so we're going to give you Xanax. Um, good luck. We're not going to tell you how addictive it is because that doesn't matter. No. Um, but go ahead. Go fuck up your life. Have have fun. <laughs> um, truly. No. Insane. Unhinged. And not that I don't. Not that I don't participate in an occasional benzo because Lord knows I cannot yeah, fly. Sure. I cannot fly without taking um I, they, they don't give me zan what do i have out of them i have out of them yeah and it's just like little babies they're like point yeah. fives but i just get so fucking anxious and generally instead of out of them i smoke weed but i can't right now exactly uh, because we can't be cali sober right now, we can't be cali sober right now. No. a couple more weeks i committed to this we're gonna fucking do it you are yeah woohoo um but okay so do you so you still kind of self-medicate with weed is that is that um, is that something you use as medicine or do you just use it like recreationally? So I actually do have a green card. Um, I am on um, unsupervised probation from like a DUI in 2017. So in order to like smoke weed on probation, um, you have to have a green card, like a medical card. I still call it a green card from like back in the day. That's like what it used to be called, but yep. it's not. It's called a medical card. Yeah. Um, but so I have my medical card for my back pain. So um, I can smoke weed and whatever on probation. And as I said, when you have a kid, there's you ought to do one or the other. So pick your poison. Well, I mean, and it's true. And you say that, and I'm sure somebody listening to this will be like, oh, mommy. but I'm sorry. How many fucking pages do you know on social? They're like, mommy's wine time. Yes. Mommy needs her wine. Mm -hmm. nah, 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 nah. So why are we like poo-pooing mommies who smoke weed? like get over yourself you're being dramatic yeah anyone who like who hates on moms who smoke weed that's so lame because we don't smoke in front of our kids most of us we're responsible about it like but we're actually not doing it in front of our kids so they don't know what's going on unlike all the moms who are drinking in front of their kids that could make their kids future alcoholics well yeah and I mean I don't want to shit on anybody's parenting oh no if, never. If, if you if you drink your wine live your truth don't hurt your kid whatever I'm, I have no room to speak I'm not a parent and I will never be one so everybody just live your truth and don't hurt anybody don't be like don't be like Ryan <laughs> that's all I have to say yeah never like Ryan um okay so are you currently in therapy Yes. So I, well, I see a psychiatrist right now. Um, I'm looking for a trauma therapist. Um, but the ones that I found so far are not accepting new patients. So no, that's the, the main theme. And I don't want to go to one of those online sites. Um, they've, I've heard a lot of them like screwing people out of money and stuff. Mm. Um, the different online therapy sites. I want a therapist that like I can see in person or on zoom that lives in my state. Yeah. That, um, so Still working for a trauma therapist, hoping to find one in the next couple weeks so I can, like, have help healing more. Because 
I've gone to treatments and a lot of therapy, but there's only so much you can do on your own. And sometimes like, and I don't like bothering my friends with like telling them constantly, like what's going on in my head. Um, like occasionally, yes, but like, that's not their responsibility to like have to hold space for me. Like every single day I'm upset, especially if they're going through their own shit. Like I want to hold space for them too. Um, and so like, I just think it's important of a therapist to talk to. So like, you're not was bitching about your life to like your friends yeah I hear that um so uh with that being said like have you learned any new coping mechanisms lately like what what do you do if you're like okay I don't want to bug my friends I'm having a moment how do you calm yourself down um, I usually like do something with Bianca or put something on TV or listen to music. I'm like a very musical person. So me and Bianca will watch like music videos all night with an occasional Steve Harvey break. Um, <laughs> she loves the Backstreet Boys though. Love. So we're like big Backstreet Boys fans in my house. Um, but the problem with that is like when you date someone for three years and all y'all do is listen to music together, there's so many negative connections you get to some of your favorite songs and will piss me off because I'll, like one of my favorite songs will come on like my YouTube shuffle and it will be like one of my favorite songs ever and now I have like a negative relationship with it because it was like a song me and Ryan sang together all the time yeah. you know it's like I'm like I get so annoyed and then like if I want to play a song for her that he used to really like like the song Boston by Kenny Chesney, really random, but she loves it and it will help calm her down. Um, and every time I hear that song, I want to like cry because it was like their song and watching them like sing it together was so cute. Um, so uh, it's just like uh, trying to uh, like work around like any like negative associations I have, just trying to work through them and like still like so I still play the song anyways and just let myself like have the feelings I've like just decided like if you need to cry just like let it out I'm never a person to hold it in people were telling me like don't cry in front of your baby blah 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 but like sometimes you just do have to cry even if it's in front of your child because when you go through something so traumatic and it literally just happened like on like the 5th of August it hasn't been that long I still like am healing and working on myself and figuring out how to be like a single parent and adjust to life and everything and so like sometimes you just need to cry and let it out and I think like that's the number one coping mechanism I've been doing is just listening to really good music and crying when I need to and not being like and go hitting my weed pen and just like trying to chillax and be positive mm -hmm. about my future you know so, okay. So yes, that's a great coping mechanism. Do you, do you have any like mantras that you say to yourself? Um, so I like, like every single day, I, I've always been a positive affirmation person. I also make a gratitude list every day. Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah. So I make a gratitude list of 10 things every day that I'm thankful for always. I've always been that type of person. I learned that at my last treatment center. And I think it's like when you do it, when you first wake up in the morning and I deal with really bad anxiety when I first wake up. So I go on my phone on my notepad and I just make like a gratitude of like 10 things I'm thankful for, even if like that day I'm waking up feeling really sad and stuff if you make a gratitude list of 10 things you're thankful for I think that it can like even just help like make you happy for like a small amount of time because you're thinking of what you're thankful for but versus thinking about like what makes you sad you know sure. you want to share your list from today I yeah let's go for it I'm excited 
Let's hear it for the boys. Oh my, God, sorry, my mom just texted me. Oh my god, Bianca came <laughs> I'm excited to hear your list. I should have told her I wanted this, but I also didn't know I was asking no, this question. Just, I did a bunch of notes today because my to-do list. Okay. So, one, my mom and my dad, they are the best parents I could ask for. Two, my cats, Mila and Nala. Three, Bianca. She should have been number one, but me and my parents have been, like, talking a lot lately, and so <laughs> I made them number one. But do not get me wrong, my daughter is number one. Four, online shopping. <laughs> five Starbucks and I only did five today I think I got distracted but great I mean five's better than zero yeah but seriously I hadn't had Starbucks in like three months and I texted Colette and I was like do you have a Starbucks by your house and she was like yes and I was like okay amazing I'm putting Starbucks on my list right now and then I had to get me and my daughter ready to leave and take her to her grandma Kiki's house and grandpa John's so I could come here great I love that okay so what is next for you on your journey in self-love healing and recovery um definitely meeting with a trauma therapist 100 percent um i think that'll be super helpful i've done emdr before so and i didn't find it super successful but i also did it during covid over like zoom oh. so i don't think it's the same as when you're in person yeah. you know like the tapping on the yeah. legs and stuff um but yeah seeing a trauma therapist whatever they recommend for me i'm gonna take I, back in the day, like, had the most awesome therapist who did, like, hypnotherapy, and I know that sounds weird, but she would do it around my anxiety, and I actually found it to be really beneficial for, like, at least 24 to 48 hours after the session. My anxiety was a lot more calm, um, so that'd be awesome if I could find that, and I think that those would, and just, like, working on being, like, the best mom and adjusting to being a sing single mom, and just, like, asking for help. I'm really bad at asking for help. Like so bad at asking for help. And sometimes I think I just need to text people like say my parents or a friend and be like, Hey, can you just like come watch Bianca for 30 minutes? Or can you come over here and help me for a second with whatever I need versus just trying to be like this one woman show and do everything on my own? You yeah. know, I think that's really, really important and powerful to recognize and acknowledge. Do you have any words of wisdom for anyone struggling in the DV situation? Um, yeah, if you are in a DV situation, um, all I can really say is like get out as soon as possible. Since this has happened to me, the amount of like love and support I receive from people is like crazy. Now, I did like post about my situation a little bit publicly because I have always shared with like my followers and stuff on Instagram and Snapchat um, about my life, especially my sobriety journey and stuff. And I always want to like help other people. And if I can help someone by sharing something, then that's like can that will like change my life personally. Um, but like, if you don't feel comfortable, like get talking about it publicly to get that type of support, um, I would say just like talking to your family or friends about it because like the amount of people that have told me like that they've been in DV situations and like how bad it got and that they almost died too is like absolutely ridiculous. And like, as I said this earlier, I really don't think that many people that are that violent, especially if they're intoxicated can change. I do believe in change, especially in therapy, but when you're that angry and that violent and you continuously do that stuff, you probably have a past 
do criminal background checks on who you date seriously. Like when my parents did the criminal background check on my ex, like seeing all the things we found out about his past was really, really crazy. Um, but it's just like the cycle will never end if you don't break it. And if you're in a family where you grew up around it and you have kids and they see it, like at one point their parent is probably going to put hands on them when they're intoxicated. And so it's like... I would urge you to try and find the financial means. There are so, so many resources for DV victims. There's actually more resources for DV victims than there is if you're like a single mom and homeless on the street and nothing bad has happened to you. They like our state, at least in Washington, cares more about helping DV victims than they do like single mothers that haven't been through anything even if you have a child they the resources that they give you are way less so hmm. if you really look into it there's like a million dv resources that can help you get out of the situation there's homes that you can go to that will like literally hide your name like anything and literally document everything because like if something does happen if you have everything documented and you send it to someone at least if you have children with them they won't be able to like take your children if something were to happen to you or anything like that um but yeah in terms of that it's just try and like be really strong and realize you deserve so much better and if you have children your children deserve better too but especially as female there are literally seven million fish in the sea and there are a million other guys that will love you and that guy may be telling you how unworthy you are how ugly you are or how you can't do anything but that's just a narcissist telling you that you're really not you're beautiful and you deserve better and so all i can hope to say is that you would realize your worth mm. Anything you would say to your younger self? To my younger self? Um, I think just that I had anything to say to my younger self, probably to be strong and realize you don't need a man to be happy. I have always jumped from relationship to relationship. I've not spent a lot of time single. And so I always equated myself having a boyfriend, especially if they were like successful or really attractive or whatever, um, to like making me more worthy and you don't need a man to like make you worthy and it's really important to love yourself before you can love other people and I definitely was definitely very in love with myself. I was dating Brian so it was unfortunate that, that Ryan... Yeah. Okay. Um, Ryan. Um, but, um, I was unfortunately conned by his narcissism and his con artistness. And so was my dad. My dad is like the best judge of character and completely thought that he was just the like most amazing person ever. Um, so I would just say that, um, I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Thought, um, uh, no, note to younger self. Yes. I would say to always listen to your gut. The first couple times my mom met Ryan, she had a bad feeling about him and she, he ended up charming her too, but I should have listened to my mom. Your parents know everything. Like literally my mom like knows when I'm like sick. She'll text me and be like, are you sick right now? She, you just like, as a mom, you have that instinct. So I would say to listen to my parents about my suitors because almost every single guy I've dated my parents in the beginning have not liked <laughs> except for my high school sweetheart Quinn my parents absolutely loved him and so every single guy other guy I've dated my parents have not liked so it literally I would say listen to your parents 
when they tell you that like whoever you're dating is not good for you because they're 95% of the time going to be right. Wow. All right, y'all. Well, that brings us to the end. Next week, our darling Molly Victoria at Molly's Musings on Instagram is talking to us about astrology, specifically how David and my charts coexist and complement each other and mental health. Duh. As always, y'all can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Coco Show Pod, and you can buy merch and listen to all of our episodes at thecocoshow.com, and you can email us at thecocoshowpod at gmail.com. As always, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye!